This is episode three of our Despite My Anxiety series. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been hearing from women who have lived with and experienced different forms of anxiety. And we have been hearing about the things that they are doing in their life, in their day, despite anxiety. This series has been truly inspirational and I have learned so much from listening to everybody who has been on so far. Today, we have one final special guest, Dr. Sasha Kolenko. Sasha is a clinical psychologist with a special interest in supporting women, children, and families through her business, The Silver Lining Collective. Sasha's practice is infused with many years' professional experience and her lived experience as a working mom of four. She is deeply committed to impacting generational change by empowering women in particular with the knowledge and skills to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. This is Inspired Wellness with Jessica, a safe space for women impacted by their emotions to unlock hope and discover ways to elevate emotional wellness holistically for long-term health and well-being. I am your host. Jessica, advanced EFT practitioner, holistic counselor, meditation therapist, and advanced life coach. Join me for real, raw conversations to educate and inspire you to take control of your emotional well-being. I am so grateful you are here with me. Let's dive straight in. Sasha, welcome to Inspired Wellness with Jessica. It is an honor to have you here today. Oh, Jess, it's uh, likewise an honour to be here today. So thank you for having me and, and to your audience for um, letting me into their lives for a little while. Absolutely. And if you are listening, you will not regret letting Sasha into your life for a little while. <laughs> she is a beauty full of wisdom and knowledge. And I introduced you just before the beginning of this episode, but Sasha, would you like to share with listeners, you know, a little bit more about you, maybe a bit of a story of how you got to where you are? Yeah, it's a big question, isn't it, Jess? It <laughs> is. Very, very, very open-ended one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I must apologise, I have a, 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 ten, a tendency to go out off on tangents, so you can you know, keep me, pull me back in if, if I'm blabbering on. I love the tangents. Um, <laughs> um, I guess... Lately, not not always, but lately I've been leading with that um, probably first and foremost. I'm a mum. Um, I've got four little ones. My eldest is 10 um, and my youngest is three. So very much still in the thick of parenthood, motherhood, matrescence, <laughs> um, starting to move into parenting a preteen, which is a whole another um, ball game as well. So that's, I guess, my... Yes. <laughs> I'm scared of it. <laughs> it has been quite interesting or is being is very interesting and very challenging and and probably has a thread related to my own anxiety actually too, which I've been thinking a lot about. So I can if we get time I can I can share on that as Absolutely. well. Um so yeah, so that I guess that's my 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 family life is um, very much devoted to my kids, but also then that has implications for my life more generally. Um before kids, I was and continue to be. I practice as a clinical psychologist, 
and that um, work has always drawn me into the family wellbeing space of work. So that's supporting um, everybody that exists in a family. And I know that sounds really broad, but I've done a lot of adult mental health work, but I also work a lot with kids um, individually. But often that work, more often than not, my practice is in um, supporting parents and supporting other people that are in a child's network to support those kids rather than it being just about me and certainly not about me as a therapist. So very holistic in my approach to supporting um, kids, but also knowing that the, I guess, the multi-dimensional but directional nature of relationships as well and that we can't think about kids without thinking about parents and parents without kids and Mm. families without all those individuals and how our own states of mind stress emotions impact each other um, mutually so that's when I say holistic it's thinking about all of those influences I guess and and also the all the moving parts exactly Jess and I just had a session with um a young girl actually younger woman this morning and drew exactly that diagram of a number of circles of life that overlap and that it's not just one thing that's the struggle it's how all those things are connected and how we can tease Mm. things out and Um, So, yeah, so that's sort of my professional space. Um, I have my own um, small practice in Brisbane where I consult a couple of days a week, Um, but I'm also um, really driven to try and through that work but through, I guess, other things that I've been thinking about in terms of making an impact in the world and on a generational level in trying to, you know, ideally prevent or at least minimise the prevalence that we have of mental health challenges Mm -hmm. in the community by really supporting people, equipping particularly women, which is my my jam, I suppose, um, <laughs> supporting women to be able to have the skills and knowledge, um, confidence to be mm-hmm. able to look after themselves in the way that they deserve, not just that they need or want, but what that they deserve as human beings. And I know the impact, the ripple effect that that has then on the world. So that's my my bigger mission, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I just got goosebumps when you're talking about that. Is it is going to make an impact and it is already making an impact. It's such a, a beautiful mission because there is so much confusion and misinformation around mental health. Um, and I think still a lot of a stigma and a lot of shame for people who yes. experience it as well. Yes. And that's why I love conversations like these where we can chat, you know, openly and honestly and uh, rawly is not a word. <laughs> oh, it is. Rawly, yes, yes. rawly. I think so. Yeah, I use it anyway. <laughs> We're gonna, we'll, we'll have raw, yeah, and have raw conversations. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's just take it out of the question. <laughs> I feel like my brain doesn't work any day. Um, yeah, and have, and have these beautiful raw conversations with people who are brave enough to share what they are going through. Because, you know, if if you are somebody experiencing something, you know, mentally that's that's impacting your life it's impacting your body your emotions any part of you it's okay it's okay because we're human yes and Jess this might sound potentially a bit controversial or even not make much sense but um as a clinical psychologist which is my training the more I practice and and maybe there's an age component maturity component as well is I'm moving further and further away from those definitions of mental illness, to be mm. honest. And I, because I feel like to some degree that even labelling when we have challenges in our mental, psychological, emotional space, it, it pathologises them just by the definition. When, as you just mm. said, Jess, 
much of what we what we experience and sometimes not always but sometimes label as particular conditions are well a number of things that as you said they're part of being human Mm -hmm. and it's normalizing the experience of being human and and what that looks like and feels like um and then I lost my train of thought about what my second thing was because something beeped on my computer and I lost what my second thing was. Yeah, it's, it's normalising and I guess then it will come back to me. So you ask me the next question and I'm sure it will drop in. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think well, what, I, what I wanted to ask you next was um, I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience with anxiety and I would love to hear as much as you'd love to share from both a personal perspective because you are a successful business owner a wonderful mum of four so you have your story with your anxiety but if you want to throw in any clinical psychologist perspective as well you know that I would really love to hear that too so are you happy to share with our listeners a little bit about what your experience with anxiety has has been like yeah and again thank you for creating the space to be able to have these conversations Jess and for me to, to share um when I was thinking about what I would say in this space I guess again like I said in the intro this there's probably so much that I can say so um, when I look back now and and I know that this would probably be a very common experience particularly of people of women my age I'm hoping that it's different these days I know that it is different to some degree but when I look back at my experiences in the early part of my life I would now label them as being anxiety but at the time I had no concept of what those things were and the uh, think for me, and this is something I'm always teasing out with clients as well, so I'm very mindful of it because it has been my experience, is that for me and my story growing up, there's certainly, as is, there is for everyone, a real interaction between my temperament, my personality, my biology, just how I was born mm-hmm. um, and where I sit, I guess, on the continuum in terms of things um, you know, like introversion and extroversion, risk-taking, impulsivity, comfortability in certain situations. And I very Mm -hmm. much sit on the end of the continuum around that sort of introverted, quieter space. Mm -hmm. Um, And my, you know, my parents would endorse that from a very young age. I was very happy by myself, doing my own thing, quite introspective in that regard. So that's sort of who I was as a person. So I wouldn't have said then I was anxious, but I was certainly sort of more of a shy but, but interestingly, and I still feel this now, and I'll probably come back to this, that uh, it didn't stop me doing things. And what I mean by that is that, um, well, well, one thread of that is in terms of my growing up story, I moved around a lot with my parents' work. So that meant many new schools um, at sort of critical points in, in my life, multiple times in primary school and high school. So there's always those transitions of, you know, starting a new school, making a new friendship group. And I think for me it was those sort of experiences that um, exacerbated or um, I can't think of another word, but mm. compounded what was sort of my tendency to be a little bit anxious. Yeah. And there's a family history of that as well, of then find, having to uh, fit in and make new friendships and put in, being put in those situations that were quite scary for me. Mm. So the, the, the short end of this story is when I think about anxiety for me, my anxiety exists in that social space and it has evolved across my, I would say, my pro- late primary years, certainly into high school and beyond, yeah. um, where 
as I said, it didn't, I, it was quite specific for me. So I'm yeah. actually quite, I'm not risk-taking, but I'm quite confident in going out and doing things. So for example, mm-hmm. I've, um, you know, I traveled overseas by myself at, at 17. I've moved and lived by myself in, you know, remote parts of Australia. So doing things like that mm. doesn't bother me. But what did bother me was um, in any sort of sort of social situation, and by social I don't necessarily mean a party, this would be at school, particularly at university, this is where it really my sort yeah. of mid-early 20s um, showed its head and I didn't really even conceptualise what it was. But I would, in um, the sort of like tutorial environment where you would have to do the introduction or, or speak in front of the group, I would literally be paralysed with anxiety. Mm. What I would now describe and what I now know would be um, at the level of a panic attack. It wasn't obvious, but on the inside, I would be shaking, completely um, uh, hyper aroused. Yeah. Um, even as I talk now, as I say what I'm going to say next, I would I would go bright red wow. um, and find it very hard to talk. I would still talk. I would still do what I had to do, but I would have... Mm of course, all this negative dialogue, what do people think about me? I can't speak properly. Look how red I am. They're going to think I'm this and I'm that. I would be having those thoughts in the lead up to those situations. Mm. And then I would have the, you know, beating myself up after those situations, which would make subsequent situations hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so it goes. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's sort you of associate what that's speaking with that awful feeling of panic that you had so there's that assumption that your mind could be making that it's just going to happen every time yes yeah and and then it would generally would happen every time because I I, this was a well-rehearsed cycle you know threads back to to high school where I can see it emerging yeah and then as I you know moved into university and I think part of that was the expectations what I was thinking other people were thinking about me Mm -hmm. Um, and this is this is to go off on a thread. What I know from a clinical psychology perspective that what's at the core of social anxiety is a fear of being neg- negatively evaluated by others. Mm, yeah, um, and that's a survival instinct because we yes. are born to belong. Yes, you know, back yes. in back in olden day, way way back in prehistoric times, if we didn't have our tribe, if we were cast out from the pack of of um, you know, we wouldn't survive on our own exactly we we want to belong yes yeah can I circle back for a moment to something that you said yes um, when you were talking about preparing to speak um and I just want to um circle back because I I hear a lot of people um say to me and I also see in a lot of support groups as well when people are talking about their anxiety and their experiences with panic attacks that they're saying well is this normal or has anybody else felt like this? So I just wanted to circle back to when you said that feeling of feeling paralyzed, the internal feelings that you were feeling inside your body, what you now know to be a panic attack. And I wanted to pause on that just for a moment to let anybody listening know that the panic attack can feel different for everybody. Mm. And what you experience when you're in that state is normal for you and it is safe because there are ways that we can bring our body down from it. But I just really wanted to highlight what you said, that you felt like you were paralysed, because that's one I have heard people say a lot. I felt like I couldn't move, or I felt, you know, it's that freeze response. So yes. I, I felt like I couldn't move. 
um, or I felt like I didn't have control over my legs or my arms. And, yeah. and that's quite a frightening thing for people because is that normal? Is that normal? Yeah. And, and I wanted to get back to it because, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it's one of those, again, terrible, vicious cycles that, and, and the, I guess what I know separate to social anxiety in my context, but there's multiple things that can trigger and they're very different that can trigger that sense of panic for for individuals Mm. and but what is common to that is once we're heightened or we're hyper aroused and we're in that state the feelings are so strong and again individual but so strong that we feel a range of things and, and and think a range of things like what is going on here? Am I going to, I'm going crazy. I'm, I am crazy. Yeah. I'm going to have a heart attack. I can't survive this. I'm mm. going to die. So it's. It's very doom. It's it, yeah. It, it, and and that's what's common to everybody. You know, I yeah. think regardless of the trigger, it's that sense that this is way, this is not intolerable. But as you said, Jess, mm. we're not going to, we're not yeah. going to die. We will be able to survive this. We are safe, yeah. but our brain doesn't distinguish it doesn't, does it? The difference. <laughs> no, it absolutely doesn't. <laughs> and I know I, I personally have experienced many panic attacks as well. And I know uh, that they are one of, I think, one of the most uncomfortable things that a, that a person can go through for those reasons that you just described. Am I having a heart attack? Mm. Am I about to have a stroke? What is happening to me? Danger, yes. danger, danger. I'm going to die. Yes. Yes. And know triggered by standing up to to speak in front of some people yes our yes. brains are, our brains yes. are fascinating aren't they yes yes, yes. <laughs> yes. oh thank you for sharing a little bit about how you've experienced anxiety have have you found that that has continued with you as you have moved forward in your career and and in your business definitely which might sound surprising but it's um, it's still with me, even as I go to do um, presentations like this or conversations like this, Jess, um, there is that increase in anxiety for me. Mm-hmm. But I must say it has, um, and this, this is not by chance or just by time, but it has um, lessened as time goes on, on definitely. Uh, but as I said, that's a consequence of the things that I do and the way the things that I do, but the way that I think about it as well. And Absolutely. one of the ways. <laughs> you've had to do the work. You've had to do the work. Yeah. yeah. And you'll probably keep doing the work. Just well, like I was me. just going to say, yeah, exactly that. But it's and part of doing that work is accepting that this is just me too. And mm. I've had experiences in my life, both just who I am in terms of my temperament, my biology, but my life experiences that have created the person that I am and the reactions that I have. And yes, I have some capacity and a lot of capacity to influence those mm. but it, but once I move in and and I can do this as a daily practice in accepting and not beating myself up and feeling shameful yeah. you know that I'm doing x y and z but I'm still you know suffering from anxiety or still mm. triggered around social situations I'm much more kinder to myself yeah, these days. yeah. I, I, reson- that- I resonate with that and I think it's beautiful that you can be in a space where you are experiencing things moving forward and then still able to help others as well I think that's a beautiful place to be yes let's have a bit of a chat about some of the things that you have done in your life despite having anxiety so you mentioned at the beginning you know when you were a child the anxiety didn't sort of 
ticked off you so much. You still went traveling. You've still done things. Can we dive into that a little bit more? Because I, I know and I've experienced it myself. Anxiety can take over really quickly. And all of a sudden, you know, what is turning down a couple of social invitations or not going to the shopping centre because you're fearful of, of feeling dizzy yeah. suddenly turns into not leaving your home and, and a few weeks or months or even years have gone past. Yes, yes. So I love hearing what people have done in their life, be it a, a simple, simple task yeah. or a massive thing, yeah. despite having anxiety. Oh, well, just I think it is just exactly what you said then. It's the the little thing. Well, this is my take on that. The little things can seem very big, mm. and the little things are what contribute to the big things in the long run. So it's the small steps often. Um, and I guess thinking about some of those big things, but at the same time, just acknowledging I feel like the small are just as important. They are. Um, but I suppose more, more recently, um, no, so even just going back across the course of, say, my working life, if I just think about work, for example, is I've, uh, despite all and my really strong physiological reactions, which are, you know, have been very prominent in my mm. life in terms of particularly the physically getting really flushed and blushing, mm. I feel it's a very, very strong reaction. I've... Um, you know, I've been, often been in positions uh, where I'm leading other people, where I'm required to speak in front of big groups of people, um, you know, going and I, I facilitate training now for on a regular basis with big groups of people, done university lecturing, these types of interviews which are going, you know, this is fine with for me just one-on-one if I just keep mm-hmm. that in my mind. It's not, it's not anxiety-provoking, but when you think about the reach Mm. of doing podcast interviews showing up live on social media all of those things I feel for me in my form of anxiety are really significant because Mm. they get to the crux of what I said I'm fearful about which is negative evaluation by other people so putting yourself out in a public way um, Mm. in a work uh, just just because of the evaluation full stop but then I'm also there's a layer of the professional evaluation as well from mm. colleagues and peers as well as the general community. Yeah. So um, I guess that's probably my, my first thought in that professional mm. realm is despite having this, what I said was quite paralysing at times, I've, I've continued with my greater, I guess, and it's changed over time, what the things that I've wanted to do Yeah. Um, that have often involved social situations. Yeah. Um, you found a way to move through those paralyzing feelings, those really intense, the flushes, the really intense things that are going on in your body. You have found a way to move through those and to face those yeah. so that you can still do the things that you want to do in your life. Yes. yes. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. But it's ongoing and it's not one thing and it's not that thing. Well, there are those things in the moment, definitely, but it's all, this is where that holistic aspect comes in. It's all the things, it's how you manage, for want of a better word, your life (laughs) and the things that you prioritise. And there's times where I haven't, you know, season of life, I haven't been able to do those things as well. And that's why, you know, particularly as women, we're vulnerable, um, around transitioning into motherhood it being a you know a ripe ground for for all mental health challenges but particularly anxiety which is where I 
acutely felt it in there when I had my first child. Um, and interestingly, on that social level, that's when things, and I, I said about my daughter at the start, that, that have that emerge and continue to emerge. So it's for me, it's not just thinking about work and those big sort of situations. I'm actually a little bit more comfortable than those when, say, then say a mother's group mm. or kids' parties and things like that, where it, it, that those situations can be, you know, triggering for me as well. So, but again, it speaks to coming back to what's the, what do I want to do and what's the values-led behaviour or, or, or action that I want, which is to provide, have opportunities for my kids and to meet other people myself. So I put myself in those situations. Yes. It would often take a lot of effort and I would bail, you know, at times as well. And I feel like that's okay too, Jess. It's, it's, it's discerning and that's probably where I've gotten to in my life. It's discerning when yeah. do I push and when do yeah. I go, no, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay um, to stay home tonight. <laughs> yep. Well, well, that's almost we'll about that's home. almost a boundary, really. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's that's knowing that where to keep yourself within the boundaries that are going to keep you mentally healthy. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I think it's also I've been thinking about this a lot lately, too. It's another layer, and this is sort of separate to anxiety in a way, but has fed it for me personally. Mm-hmm. Is honoring just who I am on a temperamental and biological level mm. that um i am i am much more of a you know i'm, I'm quite satisfied with my own company <laughs> as poor as it can be at sometimes i like introspective <laughs> activities i'm you know and that's okay that's okay um so long as i don't then use that as a crutch i suppose to again stop doing the things that i want to do in life that's the that's the um gauge i suppose yeah, there's something that you said in that um, that I just really want to come back to for a moment for anybody listening, and that's the way you put it was values-led behaviour. So I encourage anybody who is listening who may be feeling like you are stuck at home or feeling like the anxious thoughts are stopping you when you don't actually want them to be, pause just for a moment just to take a look at what you do value and what experiences you do want to have in your life and just bring those into your awareness. Just start by bringing those into your awareness because once you do, you will start to think about them a bit more. Write them down, revisit them and use them even as as something to connect to as a possibility of another another way to experience your life. Exactly, Jess. And I love that so much in that I think what's, implicit in what you said is I think naturally what evolves from that reflection is you'll think well what I'd encourage if if it doesn't happen naturally is what's the smallest little step I can take and I think the first little step is entertaining like you said or opening up space to think what's important to me what do I value in my life what gives me meaning and once you get that sort of clarity and then well how can I start to move towards that and just the thinking is one step or you know, picking up your phone and sending a text message yep. to a friend and having an exchange that way. If I'm putting it in this sort of social realm, yeah, in a minute, yeah, and then what? And then that gives you a little boost. It literally gives you a, like a dopamine hit and a serotonin hit. All the things, oxytocin, all the things that we will make us not just feel happier or a little bit more joyful, but stronger, literally stronger, yeah, more confident to be able to then entertain the next step and the next step, yeah. 
Beautiful. I love the way you've just explained that. It makes so much sense. And you're right, just that it's just one small step, one small step. You don't have to jump into, you know, a birthday party or going out to even, you know, coffee dates or anything in a social setting. You don't have to just jump straight into it. What's the one small thing that you can do? Would you like to share, would you be happy to share with us, Sasha, some of your favourite ways to support yourself when you have your anxiety? Yes, uh, and just I probably circling back to what I said earlier, I think I think about the foundational things in terms of my life that um, help me just feel, feel, feel at my best. And I often mm-hmm. share this really um, what I find as a helpful ac- helpful acronym. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, it which is, three times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, which is nests. That's N E S T S. Um, so N stands for nutrition and hydration. Uh, e is exercise and movement. S is for sleep. Um, T is time alone or with others. And then support. So one of the things that I do is um, intentionally and regularly do a bit of an audit of how am I tracking in that space and not from a perspective of trying to beat myself up if if things have fallen off in terms of what I what I'd like to do in those areas but then if I am feeling a bit shaky if I am feeling more prone to to you know unhelpful thoughts and my body being dysregulated I sort of do a check-in there because that that will often a lot of the answers will lie there Mm. and then second to that making sure that I pay attention to those things um as a foundation as I'm a, going to pop that in the show notes if you're happy for me to do that course, Nest. Yes, so anybody yes, who yes. didn't hear you might be listening and walking at the same time or something yes. it's that's I love that because that just brings you back down to basics within yourself yes, right yes. back to your foundational needs yeah um and what a fantastic way to check in yeah. and what's going on for you because what I often, this is both personally and professionally, Jess, is that we're often trying to think ourselves or problem solve out of situations, particularly when we're really anxious, that is, is going against our neurobiology. It's going against what our body's telling us to do or in, in pushing us towards. So we have to come back to just those basics. Like you said, foundationals, make sure the base is, is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can do the thinking work and the planning work and the problem solving that we need to do in all aspects of life, but particularly as it comes to managing anxiety. Absolutely. Um, and so for me in that space, it's I'm very mindful. Again, it waxes and wanes, it wanes, but I would say that I have a pretty solid awareness of my thoughts and how sneaky they can be and how <laughs> when life events are unfolding, um, when things are really stressful, when I if my nests haven't been attended to, that I'm more prone to those um, thinking about things in a negative way, a negative bias in terms of how I'm reading other people and yeah. that side of things. So I, 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 I pay attention to what my, my thoughts are telling me. and But at the same time, I have a process, I have two pre-processes that I, that I rely on of either going, oh, okay, there we go, there's my anxiety talking to me again and just that process in itself can mean I can unhook from those thoughts yeah. with practice, I must say. Yes. Yeah. Or oh, you you mentioned practice and practice is really key. It really is. It Nothing is. happens overnight when it comes to anxiety management or anxiety relief. 
it really is finding what's working for you and then continuing to implement it also at the times when you feel good as well yes yes exactly even more so I would say Jess yeah even more so to be able to fill our tanks up you know but in from a coping or well-being perspective in those times when we feel good a gives us a buffer when life is going to throw its curveballs at us so that we've got things in the tank there yeah um so yes I just try and be aware of the impact of those thoughts unhook from them and sometimes I will just you know talk to myself differently or challenge those thoughts in a more sort of traditional way looking at the evidence I guess of how likely it is the thing that I'm worried about is going to actually happen yeah um but these days I'm more less likely to go down that path and just go okay here it is again thanks for paying a visit and (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to return to what I'm doing now and and that's a really important practice for me in the moment is to ground back in to right now through my breath that's my number one probably tool, anchor into my breath. Yeah. Helps me calm, calm my nervous system um, and then be able to do what it is I need to do. Yeah, breathing is it's such an amazing tool because it is something that we all have available to us and, you know, we all, it doesn't take much to learn how to use your breath to support yourself. You know, there's a, there's a lot of free resources that you could chat to somebody like Sasha yes. or myself and there's, there's a lot of ways that you can find out how your breath can support you in those times of anxiety and it really is going to be one of your strongest tools and it's Without there everywhere that you go. Yeah. yeah. It's just that practice and that training. Yes. That practice again practicing how to you know get those big belly breaths how to use your diaphragm um what breathing techniques you might like what works for you practice practice and then the more you practice the easier it is to actually get you know back into that space yes and to do it under pressure yeah once you've practiced it's what you said earlier Jess about in the times when you're feeling good making sure that you still practice as well Um, and I know that sometimes there's often criticism or or, you know breathing practices are dismissed or I've just been told to take a few deep breaths Mm. and I understand that Um, I understand that it might seem so simple and I'm not saying it's the only solution but it has to be the foundational one in terms of calming starting to calm and then we can think about the next steps absolutely Um, yeah yeah, and and it serves so many purposes you know bringing yourself back into your body when you are in those heightened states as well as you know once you are engaging in that that breath with that long exhale and you're bringing in that relaxation response nervous system and you're able to really as you said then allow your logical mind a chance yes exactly even come in and think because when you're heightened and I know we had this conversation the other day. Um, Sasha talked me through, you know, a rough time that I was going through. And we had this conversation, you know, when you are heightened, um, as I think you put it, when your lid is flipped, you know, you're not thinking logically. You can't think logically. Mm. You can't make sense of a situation, which is why often when we do flip our lid, um, you think why (laughs) what was that even about or how did that happen or what am I doing why did I react that way it's just not logical and it also you know helps us to feel like we're going crazy 
yes. because our logical mind it's it's actually not in control exactly so if you can yep. bring yourself back into your body using such a simple tool such as your breath then absolutely you'll be able to then get control of your logical mind and you can start working through things that you need to work through it's it's yeah beautiful. it's always with beautiful you. summary <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more Jess in your yeah. summary it's beautiful I used to get quite offended when some, because I think it was said to me during times of panic, well, just breathe. Yeah. Well, just take a deep breath. You know, when you get yes. a bit worked up and someone says, yeah. you take a yeah. deep breath. And yeah. you're like, actually, I want to punch you in the face for saying yes. that. <laughs> I know. And that's why I thought uh, to say, I acknowledge that. It, and I think it's because it's, but when you have the bigger conversation and you explain and people understand, this is my big thing for me as an individual. And then, how I feel I can help others it's through understanding if you understand what's going on in your body your brain how they're connected then it makes sense and then that strategy has then got so much more power um and 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 wait for you to implement it and you in the sense of waiting like you're it's powerful you can see that it's going to work and you've got um, and that then helps with the motivation for the practice and the consistency when you get it, when you Absolutely. understand. That education is so important. I, I um, definitely agree with you there. That's one of my big drivers as well is really helping people to understand yep. so that they know how and why it is actually going to help them. Because as adults, we're more likely to actually implement things if we understand why it's going to benefit you. Yeah. And it's not the, again, the only solution or answer, but I do, in my experience, I find that for so many people, just un- that understanding piece, that education piece mm. helps so much. Like it takes, and, and that's that's probably one of the things that I, and I know that I'm sure, I'm sure other people feel this, Jess, um, is that when you're in the grips of anxiety in whatever way, it shows itself you can feel very alone and you mm. feel like no one else understands this nobody else experiences this oh, that's why we think we're crazy because we feel yeah. like we're the only ones and absolutely and it adds that another layer of fear when you're going through yes that. yes so that's why forums like this and conversations like this as you said at the start are so important so that you know you're not alone yeah you're not a freak. You're not crazy. It's your yeah. body doing what it's been evol- has evolved to do. Absolutely, it just hasn't adapted to our modern day world. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or a set exactly. of traffic lights, or or an email, or or something. Yes, yes. Set off that same set us off. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would love to know just as we start to wind up our conversation. Do you have a message for listeners who are struggling with anxiety? What would your message be for them? Um, maybe it's what I just said Jess is know know deeply that you're not alone and the person and I think I'm a case in point I hope that that part of that message has been shared today is I probably don't look like I've ever had anxiety or have anxiety I don't think I often get the comment that you're so calm and and there is a part of me that's like that but there's also a lot going underneath the surface or there has been so you just don't know what the person next to you is experiencing and with that in mind, um, what am I thinking? What does that mean? I guess it's to seek help, to seek information, to be vulnerable, and then to take, the, like I said earlier, the smallest steps. Yeah. Um, don't feel like you have to, and, and this is, I guess, it's a term from psychological therapy, which is you know, um, this idea of graduated exposure. So gradually exposing ourselves to the things 
that we're most fearful of doing and that might be walking into a party by yourself (laughs) with with nobody that you know we don't start with that start with like I said earlier maybe sending a text message yeah and then with that we'll grow confidence and I think that model applies across or that framework applies across all forms of anxiety so just do a small step and be brave be brave absolutely oh that's a beautiful message I have a little giggle I have um listeners can't see but I such this beautiful little girl was um putting a pen (laughs) a pen across the computer camera and I just had a little giggle she's she's beautiful (laughs) yes she's uh quietly destroying my desk as we speak (laughs) and trying to climb out the window I can understand that that's normally that's normally Amelia and I when we're having meetings she's climbing all over my desk and I'm sitting there trying to focus going oh my god (laughs) put it down put it down don't rip that (laughs) it's just it's just the joy isn't it and the reality the reality of us working mums yes really it is it is totally and the, I, I hope that it's okay that I brought it up because I just, oh, you know, I feel that so many of us are in this situation. We work from home um, or we have things that we've got to try and do at home and we've got our little people and we feel like we have to, you know, be in this perfect world. But yeah, okay. Yes. It's yep. gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> um, how can people work with you? Um. Jess, I'm sort of in a bit of, I've got, I guess, two streams of availability and, and um, I think you'll probably link my, my socials and my website. That, yep. So I have my clinical practice, which is the Silver Lining Collective. So that's seeing me, I guess, as a, as a clinical psychologist, generally in a one-to-one format, um, which I don't have a lot of availability, but I have some spaces up, opening up over the rest of the year. Um, but I, I'm also sort of moving more into, like I said earlier, trying to reach more people, women particularly, in very much like you were just saying, actually, in circumstances like us that can't always get to appointments or access help. Um, or what I also find is women, people in general, but women is my, my focus, accessing help when they've fallen off the cliff or that they're at the edge of the cliff, you know, in terms of having struggled for years and years and years or all of their life with, with these types of experiences. Um, so through my a different um, second business, which is just under my name, so Dr. Sasha um, on Instagram and, and website, is uh, trying to, I guess, educate, provide this information to a wider audience. And so I've got various different modalities there that are online, um, some group retreats as well. So best to just go to my website and it, oh, two websites and you'll see the different Perfect. ways. <laughs> well, I will link it all in the show notes. Sasha, it has been a pleasure speaking to you today. I really am so grateful for your time and your your presence. Thank you for being here. Likewise, Jess. Everything that you said, I would say back to you. um, You've created a space where I've been able to be my true self and that's, that's very special. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inspired Wellness with Jessica. If you enjoyed and found value in today's episode, then please help it to reach others who may also benefit by subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving a review. This would mean the world to me. To get in touch with me, inquire about working privately or experience one of my online programs, then head to www.inspiredlifecollective.com.au and I will see you on the next episode.